0: Welcome to the EIS Navigator. I'm your host, Brian Moretta. Recently, Foresight announced it was buying most of Downing's venture businesses. We get Matt Smith, who has been with Foresight for over a decade, and Jack Eady, who's a SEMA member of the former Downing team, to discuss it. They talk about how the merger will work in practice and what it means for investors. If you join the podcast, don't forget you can subscribe on all good podcast services, including Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and Spotify. If you have any suggestions for issues topics or guests, then you can email us at inquiries at harmanandco.com. Without any further ado, enjoy this episode. So today we are joined by two people from Foresight Group. We've got Matt Smith, who is a partner, and Jack Edie, who is a managing director. Welcome to the podcast, both of you.
1: Thanks for having us.
0: So as usual, we'd like to start by getting to know a little bit more about you. So can you let me know... How how you became involved in venture capital?
1: Sure, maybe I'll start. So, um, I actually started Life Offers, and this is Jack for those of you, those of you. <laughs> <laughs> I started Life Offers as an entrepreneur, uh, building what was a hyperlocal marketplace um, for a few years, and was fascinated with the kind of entrepreneurial ecosystem. Um, I then moved into investment, actually an investment bank, uh, which was Goldman, doing equity research. But wanted to continue in investment capacity, but move closer to the um, entrepreneurial ecosystem, which I'd uh, been in previously. I then went to a fund called Eight Road Ventures, which is part of Fidelity, about $600 in the management focused on doing enterprise software series A&B deals into Europe and Israel, so for about five years. After that, I then moved to a fund called Next47, which is part of Siemens. They have a billion euro fund focused on Series A to D, doing enterprise software and deep tech globally. And it's kind of like a corporate venture fund. Yeah, it's a, hy- a hybrid fund. It kind of exists for strategic reasons, but was focused on financial returns. Mm-hmm. Um, so covering a lot of sectors that were close to Siemens, but very much with a financial focus. We were there that they were they operated out of the Valley. Um, I was building out the European team for a few years. And then I joined Downing um, just about two years ago now and was a partner there Um and spent a lot of time doing enterprise and, and deep tech deals. And then as of about two weeks ago, came over to Foresight. Excellent. So Matt...
2: My, my story is a little bit simpler. So um, I, I, I started out life working at Rothschild doing uh, m and and IPOs uh, on larger businesses. And I thought that was interesting, but wanted to work for a small business with smaller businesses. And so um, after about six or seven years there, I moved across to join Foresight uh, in about 2010 and have been part of the growth journey of foresight across a number of aspects since then and I think when I joined we had about 300 million in under management and as of today it's 12 billion so it's been been a real real ride
0: yeah the business has done very well I think
2: it has it's been, it's been an exciting journey and, and and a great team and a great uh, a great bunch of people uh, to, to, to work with so as you mentioned, Foresight's grown into one of the bigger
0: businesses in our space, but there might be some people who don't know who you are. So do you want to give me a brief introduction to Foresight and, and what they do? Sure. So
2: Foresight uh, as a whole, uh, we're uh, an alternative asset manager. We manage uh, real assets, so that's, that's uh, in, in the large bulk. Um, we have a business which is focused on Infrastructure, but particularly the renewable energy transition towards uh, renewable energy and everything that goes with that. And we have a number of ESG-focused listed investment trusts, which sort of sit alongside that. And and then the part that I work in, which is probably only uh, just under one and a half billion of the total twelve billion of assets, but nevertheless, much uh, the most interesting part is is SME, venture capital, and private equity. Uh, and here we uh, invest in lots of small businesses across a range of life stages, and um, we always seek to try and help them and grow them.
0: Yes, yes. So we had your colleague Andy Bloxam in the yes. spring talking about your relationship with Williams, and usually we don't get anyone back quite so quickly, but you've, you've had a very interesting announcement recently, uh, which is part of the reason why we have Jack and call. So do you want to tell us about uh, what you've done with Downing?
2: Yeah. So really pleased that we've effectively acquired uh, the venture part of uh, Downing's uh, business, which is uh, focused on their BCTs and EIS. It's about £275 million of total uh, assets under management. Uh, and uh, with with that, we are very pleased to have been joined by with a number of new colleagues, including Jack. Uh, it's a a business which sits uh, very nicely alongside our existing uh, strategies, uh, and it helps us to expand into some new areas as well. And uh, the team have got particularly good expertise in sort of deep tech and software technologies where we have less of a focus currently but that this will give us a great focus they've got uh, a much more international network than we do so they've got some really great people overseas which will help us expand that really kind of interesting exciting portfolio uh, of assets which are building and developing as you would expect a venture portfolio to develop so some really exciting ones at the top end in particular and um and also uh a, a relatively small but a But a a sensibly sized uh, AIM portfolio, which uh, is an area we've always wanted to be in. So strategically, I think we think for a number of reasons, it really works. And probably more more importantly than all of that, the culture seems to fit. So we spent quite a lot of time talking to and working with new colleagues, including Jack, and we seem to get on pretty well. And we know from other things we've done, which is similar, that this is really a people business. Uh, all, all, all investments, are sort of at their heart, people, businesses, and um, very key, keen and excited uh, to see what, whole, what the future holds and looking forward to working with everybody. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. So as I understand that you've bought the Downing 1, Downing 4, VCTs, and the IS, one thing that a couple of people noticed is that you didn't buy the healthcare business. And in the background, we were wondering, was this because you didn't want to or because Downing didn't want to sell it?
2: I think um, that it was sort of shrink wrapped in that there was a team there that was working on it. We were very happy to leave Downing to focus on that particular strategy, and you know it's a, it's a slightly different thing doing healthcare. Um, we've got some experience in 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 investing in healthcare from, from well, over over a, over a number of decades actually, but we were very happy to do the deal that was on the table, which was a the, the, for the rest of the business.
0: Uh-huh. So, so that kind of leads me on to start asking the question, is this something where Downing were looking to sell? You know, how, how, how did this deal sort of come about? Why did you Foresight choose Downing or Downing choose Foresight?
2: Um, I think in any deal, uh, you, need a, you need an excited seller and an excited buyer. Otherwise, the deal does, you know, these are complicated things to do that require lots of work. Um, and so i think you know there's definitely there's definitely that in the thinking and in the mix there is you know strategically from a foresight group perspective we plan on growing through both organic growth and you know uh, developing and growing new funds but also through acquisition and and we've now announced i think two acquisitions downing being the first and and another one more recently which is which is uh, you know 3 billion of australian uh, infrastructure, renewable-focused infrastructure, and so I think quite who approached who, I don't know, but everybody's known each other for a very long time in this market and in this industry, uh, and it was agreed that it was a very sensible, sensible thing to to get the two businesses together.
0: Mm-hmm. And Jack, from Downing's perspective, obviously you're you're not at Downing anymore. Um, you know what, what? Why were Downing really looking to sell this business, or were they looking to sell this business? Do you think?
1: You know, I think I reiterate Matt's as I think it's a willing buyer, willing seller. You say from from my perspective, coming coming over over the river to to now to the foresight offices, it feels like um, you know a great new step in the right direction. Where we have a you know a home which is built on um, a much bigger business. Um, we have more more resources here, whether we sales team or, or otherwise, that feels like a great place to build from. So you know, I think that you know, there's a clear strategy here that we fit well into that complements the private equity business and helps to bring portfolio companies across stages of their kind of capital journey. The, the, the fit is, you know, particularly as you may kind of reflect back, is less obvious from the downing context who don't have as much of the rest of that business. Um, so yeah, I think it's it, it's worked well to come over um, to, to Foresight. and excited about what, what lies ahead here.
0: Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, and... I mean,
0: one of the things in the background is that you know, we, we can see all the plus points. We're also where the Downing, as a team, have probably had their challenges over the last few years. In that, you know, there's been a bit of turnover within the team. We know that performance has not been what you would like. And you know, to what extent is is that something where Downing is or was looking at this and thinking we're not quite sure what we're doing here, or is this something where and, and when foresight look at it, these are sort of considerations in terms of what we're buying and what what we're
1: getting. Yeah, I think you really have to be careful about kind of the measures that you kind of bring out of this, right? Which is you know, the performance that there was a lot of asset backs elements in some of the kind of legacy performance. I think some of that was playing out, particularly in T1. I think over the last couple of years, there's been a bit of a change of strategy, and as a result of that, we kind of had a few people who didn't necessarily fit into that strategy. I can not think we're already starting to see some performance of those portfolio companies' investments come through. So you know there was a there was a clear transition, which was to, to you know one be more focused and be more thematic about what we're doing. I we think that's really important because it enables you to drive much deeper insights into sectors. You can both understand you know the the market forces at work. You're building out healthy syndicates that also enable you to get into the best deals. And so we we did that in the sectors we're focused on. We also took the we took a, um, a sea change from the uh, stage of capital we focused on. So we were doing that seed and generalist approach. We then transitioned to being a later stage portfolio into Series A and B. As a result of that, as well as being focused on international deals, as Matt mentioned, you know we brought brought on some colleagues who have continued to work with us through this period as well in both the U.S. and Israel in particular, and. I think that those in conjunction have started just to get us into some really interesting deals that are pretty unique in this um, in the VCT and EIS world, where we're investing alongside some of the best venture capital firms globally. And not only are we investing alongside that, but the investors who invest with us obviously also benefit from the great tax advantages of the products as well. So you know, if you look at something like um, AR Labs, for example, which is a company in the high-performance computing space, um, they have, you know, even in kind of the course of about 18 months, we've seen a doubling of their valuation that, you know, it has is testament to the thesis playing out. We've got a number of other portfolio companies that we've invested into and already seeing some early signs of the valuation heading in the right direction. So I think that they're the kind of the key aspects to, you know, the, the questions around kind of performance and, and team.
0: Mhm, And just digging into that international sort of question a little bit, I think people's intuition is that you've got the rules on EIS and VCT investments where you can't, it's got to be UK companies basically, and you talk about
1: international. Could you maybe just explain how that works? Yes, yeah, so I think there's two main um, aspects to it. So one is, is that we are helping UK companies internationalize their business. You know, particularly for a number of companies that um, you know, where the U.S. is a very relevant market for them. Often their largest buyers, whether that be in terms of potential acquisition or also largest customers, are in the U.S. So having boots on the ground there that can help you land and understand, go to market and connect you into the right people is a really crucial aspect. So that that's one element. The, the second element is around kind of finding deals in those locations and then bringing them to us. Obviously, we uh, are always very clear that they must be in EIS qualifying. I think probably one of the nuances, which is perhaps as well understood, is that actually the criteria for kind of qualification isn't around kind of a UK HQ. It's around having a presence in, in the UK. And we'll certainly look to both obviously have that presence from the point of which we invest. As well as grow um, those companies in the UK as well. So it's always a really important part of what we're doing is bringing some of these really interesting technologies into the UK. We have some great tech talent in the UK, and we see as being kind of the enabler of that tech talent working with some really interesting international companies. So that's the that's the lens of which we focus on. Maybe just a, w- one more piece here is that you know again coming back to thematic um, aspect around focusing on deep tech and enterprise is that by focusing deeply on these sectors, we're able to look at markets and understand the way that sectors are evolving. Ever more so, we're seeing that the, the purchases of software or different technologies are looking across a global landscape. And so it's really important that we also reflect that in terms of our investment methodology and looking at a much bigger pool of companies that Fundamentally, will drive better investor returns long term.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Okay. And in terms
0: of this international connection, so are, are you getting? Uh, is for are you bringing assets or are you bringing sort of network connections or people? What 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 sort of international presence? A sort of foresight getting out of this.
2: Well, I, I think um, there's there's two or three things. I think it's mostly connections. So it's not it's not physical assets. It's connections to people. Um, So I think um, the the team from Downing are a far better network than we are in places like Israel and and the West Coast of the US, uh, which are big tech, uh, global tech hubs uh, and venture hubs. And whilst we have seen our um, portfolio access capital from particularly the US, I think that is is something we can only uh, seek to improve on. And you know, bluntly, they've got good good people out in both places who've worked with for a long time, and uh, that those are the types of things which which would allow us to develop develop our operation.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, okay. And bring it back to sort of the UK and, and the teams in particular. You mentioned about how all the teams get on. Hopefully, everybody gets on. I mean, nothing's perfect, I know. You know, is there a complementarity here? Are, are you got people doing the same things? Are you merging the teams? What, 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 how's it going to work?
2: So, so I think to to start with, um, the, the the sort of stylistic approach to looking at investments is 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 pretty similar. And, and as you will know, we look at investments from later stage management buyouts all the way through to very early stage businesses. And we quite often say that you know the fundamental lens that you look at things through it should be very similar and um, across that whole portfolio. And I think uh, the guys from Downing are joining and I've and, and got a very similar approach. I think in terms of the way that the teams will work, we don't want to mess up uh, what, 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 what's been built. So the, so the core team working on the, the Downing portfolio will stay working on the Downing portfolio, but will get a big level of support from our broader team. And we have... You know, 35-odd investment executives throughout the country now, and that's going to be growing to, to closer to uh, 45 in a, in a pretty tangible time frame, and, and that's just helpful, isn't it? Because if you've got an issue or a, a challenge or an opportunity, then you, you can uh, put up your hand and ask your colleagues, and there's a bigger pool of people out there to ask uh, with, a, with a big, diverse level of experience and so i think that's i think that's helpful it also makes us pretty big in the market now uh, in the uk so we've got a portfolio uh, combined portfolio of closer to 250 investments than not uh, we are uh, just on the on the foresight side we made 60 investments last year 30 new 30 follow on and i think that will increase materially this year uh, and that makes us one of the most active investors in the UK uh, and and a real presence for all the advisors and all all, all, all the uh, non-executives out there who are looking for people to work with. But we're, we're a good person to have on, on your books because we do an awful lot. And and so I think that's 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 sort of that's important as well. But but to answer your question about how the two teams fit together, I think we're going to try and build and complement rather than I think what you can often do in these situations is try and shove everything together too hard and too quickly, and that will probably break everything. So we're going to try and develop the best of the best of both, and and support and complement. But also, we're out there uh, increasing the size of both teams overall.
0: Okay, okay. And one of the key relationships for foresight, and that was the focus when we had Andy on a few months ago, was the Williams relationship. Now, obviously, Foresight has a very strong relation to Williams. Is this a case of now that sort of Downing will tap into that relationship, or or, or are they going to have two separate strands with different investment processes?
2: I think we will have the the, the Williams piece, uh, Foresight Williams technology, BCTs and EIS, will will stay as they are. Mm -hmm. Their investment strategy is different to Mm -hmm. what, what Downing has been doing. And whilst... Uh, no doubt that the downing colleagues and I think already have uh, have suggested oh w- wouldn't this be something that Williams might be able to help us out with that then I've, I'm sure those those calls will take place but what we won't be doing is uh, you know there's no current plan to rebrand the whole thing williams or or sort of merge it all all into one because they are different they are different one is one is sort of um, hard technology focused and that's Williams. And the other one is sort of deep tech and, and software, and, that, and that's Downing.
0: Could you explain the difference between hard tech and deep tech? Because it's not intuitively obvious. One, one tends to be physical things.
2: So right. a robotic arm or a replacement for silicon or a particular sensor, a clever yeah. sensor. Yeah. And one tends to be a very, a very highly a clever piece of technolo- software technology. So, so I think those those are different, and, and it actually, you know, when we looked at the two portfolios, which I think together own something close to a, to, to 130 assets, there's only two companies that they've co, they've actually uh, co invested on. So, so it's you know, I think it's borne out by by that as a as a real life example. Mm-hmm.
0: Okay, and that naturally raises the question in terms of marketing going forward. Are you going to market two separate strategies, two separate products?
2: I think initially, yes. You never know quite how things will evolve. And mm-hmm. so it's very difficult to, to crystal ball gaze. Um, but I think, you know, we think that they are offering different things to the market. And, uh, you know, one is one has got a clear relationship with Williams and, and is that, that hard technology strategy. And the other one has got a much more international flavor and a much more, you know, a deep tech and software strategy. And so we think that they are offering different things to the market and have both been successfully raising capital as separate strategies historically. So I think um, initially we will, we will certainly be, be looking to do that, but we will see how things evolve over time.
0: Yeah, okay. yeah. And, and did the deal include any sort of distribution capability from Downing, or, or was it purely an investment team?
2: It, it's investment team. So Forsyth has a really well-invested and large uh, distribution of retail sales, a team um more than 40 people spread throughout the uk um, I think they're one of the biggest uh distribution teams in the country and um, i think that was one of the attractions from a downing perspective in coming over over the river is that we have we have that that significant investment in place and they're well established
0: mm-hmm. and and in terms of you have got the challenge, obviously. Of, I mean, probably less important, but the challenge of got a new product, different strategy, getting the message out to advisors or or investors about different. You know how, how you're actually going to manage these products, differentiate these products going forwards. Um, have you had any thoughts about how that's going to work in practice?
2: Yes, I, I, th- I think we have. I think what we what we've probably got is an initial. You know, a sequencing, there's a timing sequencing point here uh, when when different products are in the market. Uh,
0: so you mean in terms of VCT offers the timings and things?
2: Yes, I think so. And, and then there's also the, the timing at which we completed the deal, which was in June, gives us intentionally a bit of runway to be able to answer these questions a lot more clearly when we've got our ducks in a row post, post the summer holidays. And so... I think we're probably not quite in a position to be going public with all of our plans as we stand here today, but they will they will come out over time, and uh, and, and a good amount of thought has been given to it.
1: We'll have, to have a step on, Brian.
2: Yeah.
0: <laughs> <laughs> so that that naturally leads to you know we, we've obviously had record year for VCT fundraising. Um, it's been splendid for pretty much everybody. H- how do you see that? If you know, is a case of things aren't things aren't so good, you just want more of it. Um, how, how do you see the sort of current conditions playing into what you're thinking about with this deal?
2: You know, the, you can never assume that the conditions will continue to be the same going forward. Uh, in light of the kind of the pressures on the economy, I'd be somewhat surprised if this year coming is as good as last year, but I don't know. Uh, don't know. We we understand that. You've got to put a focus on delivering strong shareholder returns for your VCTs, and that often means not raising as much money as you can possibly raise uh, at any point in time. We're consciously setting out to raise a deliberate amount of money each period, which then will help maximize the, the returns for each of the VCTs, but also minimize the cash drag, which is the flip side of having raised too much money. In, in
0: a Yeah. So, so how do you think about that in terms of, you know, um, you've got an horizon, presumably with some of your investments, you can see that there's a pipeline of potential funding needs. You can see that, um, you know, the, the, way that the, the way the market is in terms of sort of deals coming. You know, are you saying, right, we, we need enough to fund the next 12 months or the next 18 months? Do you sort of think in those terms? How did you actually decide
2: I mean, generically for a BCT, you you typically uh, look to target a level of deployment, but you know that in any particular year, there is one thing that's certain, and that's that you'll get it wrong. It's just a question (laughs) of what the margin is of getting it wrong. And then you look at um, the amount of uh, capital that you want to raise whilst maintaining a sensible cash position in case there's additional requirements on top of those requirements. And then you look at your realisation timetable and overlay that on top. Again, knowing that you'll get that wrong and you manage it overall in that context. And, and where we've got to on Foresight, Foresight 1 and Foresight Enterprise or Foresight VCT and Foresight Enterprise is we regularly raise sensible amounts of money. Uh, and then we top that up from realisations and. And it goes round and round. And I think over recent years we have started to see the performance really coming through. Uh-huh. I think if we look at the downing portfolios, as Jack says, we've got uh, bluntly a, a drag on performance in the fo- in the form of the um, the, the asset backed and debt positions, uh-huh. which uh, are uh, you know are are in the process of no longer being the strategic focus, and therefore are a source of cash to fund. Uh, venture uh, more exciting venture investments we've mm-hmm. also got the aim when you say soft cash
0: are these ready are these realizable in terms of either readily realizable or you can see how you're going to realize them in the in the foreseeable future
2: uh, I think, yes, although, you know, the world, we, we deal in a liquid asset. Yeah, I question. You've got to be careful for twofold. Firstly, you've got on the right-hand <laughs> side, you've got, you've got a main board listed fund, but yes. we've got to be really careful what we say. And then secondly, on the left-hand side, you've got a liquid asset in, in this particular case. And so there are lots of little liquid assets, which makes it all work. But but, but so, so yes, I think over time that, that they will be realised. And then you've got a much more you know pure play venture portfolio which has got some great deals in it and some real upside mm-hmm. uh, as you would expect
0: yeah so, so so that that was something i i, I was at the back of my mind is that you know when you talked about the teams and what's going to what existing vest and thinking about what existing investors is going to see, my first reaction was there's not going to be a lot of change, but by the sounds of things particularly you know for the investors in the downing v c t s in particular, it sounds like there effectively will be a change in what they're getting.
2: They, they will be getting the additional support of uh, a larger foresight team, uh-huh. I guess, but yeah. with all the good best bits of what they had at downing. So hmm. they should be getting a bigger infrastructure, a bigger retail sales network. Uh, and we've got a good strong track record. We've realized an asset recently made 16 times our money and another one at 12.6, both in the same week. So we've got a great track record, and and we're going to – you know. A, basically hopefully take the best bits of the, of the downing team and complement it with the best bits of foresight and, uh, and that should be a net positive for shareholders. Yeah.
0: yeah, I know thinking as well in terms of the portfolio because you mentioned there about the, the evolution of the, the VCT portfolios. So in, an investor in three, four, five years' time will have an investment that looks quite different from what they've got now or is it the evolution going to be slower than that? Uh,
2: I'll let Jack. Jump in on top of what, what, what I say, but my, my sense is that there is there is a there's a portfolio of venture assets, and the plan is to do more of those. Yes. At the moment, when someone buys uh, one one of the Downing uh, BCTs, they're buying a, a bit of a mix. Mm-hmm. Uh, the bulk of it is the venture stuff, but they've also got a bit of the other stuff. Okay. In four or five years' time, they probably should be just buying the venture stuff. Jack, is yeah, I
1: think that's right. So, so, particularly as it relates to D one. Um, you'll see it had more asset-backed um, investments in it. We have been, over the last, say, 12, 12 18 months, trying to um, you know, help realize and draw, draw liquidity where we mm-hmm. can. Um, yeah. I think that process gets catalyzed further as we move into this, this next step. So, you know, I think that that, that, trend, that mix will change over time with, you know, but the realities on, on the venture side, obviously, the portfolio companies will remain yeah. the same throughout that period. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Uh, you know, liquidations and new investments accepted, obviously. Yeah. And in terms of realizing that, you know, we, we had what well, when Arise Morgan recently talking about the challenges he sees in, 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 in the private market, the venture capital markets. And particularly, you know, I, I think we're starting to see valuations come down. We've, we've seen them in the US come down in the US, you know, in the quoted markets wholesale. The noises that we're hearing about what VC venture capitalists over there are telling their portfolio companies to do is, is, is suggest that hard times are coming. How easy or hard does that make it for you if, if things get a little bit tougher?
1: I guess there's, there's there's two sides to that, right? I think um, one is on the new investments and the other one's on the portfolio side. Yeah. So, you know, I think from the portfolio side, I think it's obviously we will, if if they require more funding, obviously they'll be taking the kind of the, as it was, market valuation at that point. We are, you know, in most instances, um, have a pathway to cash flow break-even in, in most yeah. of the businesses that we invest into. And so as a result, they kind of, you lose some of that dependency um, so I think that that's kind of a crucial ingredient that actually you have control over when you can go out to market to raise, and that's something we definitely look for in terms of the flexibility of you know, when we go with our portfolio. I think on the on the flip side of this is kind of the new investment side, and I think you're right. You know, particularly in the in the public markets, there has been um, you know, valuations have come off their kind of prior highs. You're starting to see that into um, the private markets. Well, so I think probably more so at the late stages you know, for example, like, you know, the Klanas of the world who kind of took some kind of significant down road more recently. You know, I think actually it represents a, a really interesting opportunity to be able to invest into a number of businesses at, you know, kind of slightly uh, lower valuations. You know, the heat has come out a little bit from this. I'd say you having, you on, on the other side, though, you know, there's still a lot of dry powder in the market. You yeah, a, lot so of sure. funds, a lot of PE funds have, have raised um, large sums of money and there is still... Um, a constraint of you know, top tier companies, so it's still going to be competitive out there. But actually, think that you know this this year and maybe the next few years could be a great time to be investing in into the venture space. And then what I
2: would then say is that whilst uh, people like to talk in generalities, i.e., the heat has come out of the market, or people are looking to bolster their balance sheets with cash to weather a storm over the next couple of years, or you know, uh, let's look at the cost base. I, I think I, I'm always concerned when there's generalities spoken because our the reality is we are still say, seeing extremely premium prices paid for the best assets. And we are seeing a number of our portfolio companies attract, uh, ex, you know, uh, attract very high valuations for follow-on rounds from large venture investors. And so I, I think it's, I think, whilst you know, there's probably limited doubt that we're going to have some form of economic contraction. There is still a lot of liquidity out there. To Jack's point, there's lots of cash out there Uh looking for a good home.
0: Yeah, and and and, I mean, one of the concerns a lot of people had is that valuations have been. I mean, perhaps the most common thing I've heard in the podcast over the last couple of years is people saying valuations are higher than they would like or they should be. You know, I, I think there are some people who would welcome some of that frost coming out. But obviously with VCTs there's that effect on valuations so you saying that it's not as simple as the market's just going to come down whatever percentage you want to think
2: I don't think so I think it will be asset by asset it's uh, probably easier to apply generalities when you're dealing with more mature but still ventury growth plays so uh an enterprise software business with lots of recurring revenue uh, may have been worth a higher multiple of recurring revenue a year ago than people are willing to pay for it today. Uh That's a kind of perhaps, perhaps, right? But it then comes down to the specifics of the actual metrics involved in the quality of the underlying asset. But when you're trying to value a business which uh, perhaps a, 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 a business like Cambridge GAN, which is a gallium nitride technology business, I think people ask, you know, you're dislocated from the reality of standard software SaaS multiples. You're looking at how how clever is this technology and what is its application to to, to a potential buyer. And, and that is in, you know, that, that is that is a different game.
1: Uh-huh. Yeah, and just to add on that, I think you kind of take a side step back and kind of look at you know, where is kind of most innovation occurring it's within the startup and SME world right and so if you look at like a five ten year view which is you know often a lot of the time horizons we may be talking about I still think structural innovation is going to come from startup world and that will continue to have it may have slightly fluctuating values over over time but I think there's like a uh, you know nexus of where that innovation is provided from.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah I, I mean the, the... I Certainly, I haven't heard anyone say the quality of companies is getting worse or there's any deterioration in the actual underlying companies. It's just people seem to be concerned about valuations. And and I've heard the bubble word mentioned, uh, which is always places people a bit on alert. And whether it is or isn't, I have no idea.
2: So I had a lovely quote from a chap who I used to work with that said, you'll never know when you're in a bubble until it pops. (laughs) <laughs> um, and, and so I think that's about right. So as soon as people are talking about bubbles and all the rest of it, uh, I think we're, we're, we're probably okay actually, because I think it's when people don't see it popping that it really will pop. But 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 I think we we are expecting a contraction, particularly in Q4. Inflation has to have a, a form of impact,
0: mm-hmm. and and you think inflation impacts the funding side or the valuation side or yeah.
2: TBC on the funding side. Uh, I think at a very generic level, yes, it will impact the uh, valuation side but 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 uh, again, you have to be careful about talking generalities
0: yeah yeah it, it seems to seems to me when you talk about inflation in companies it's it's almost a case by case basis
2: i mean uh, on our uh infrastructure side of the business, inflation um has pushed up energy prices, which have then increased the valuation of assets,
0: yeah, yeah. Yeah, and and, and yeah, yeah, I know in some of these energy assets you've got RPI linked revenues as well, which is obviously yeah. very beneficial. It's a completely different kettle of fish.
1: Yeah, I mean, relatively, I guess on like traditional technology businesses, are operating on significantly high gross margins. It's 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 a relatively better place to be from an inflation um, perspective than other other industries.
0: Mm-hmm. Is is that because they have pricing power, or
1: yeah, but pricing power like less less fundamental um, input input costs, maybe related to that activity, hence higher, higher gross margin. You know, if you're not, you're not talking about you know FMCG sectors or things like this where you're facing some of those higher input costs coming through. So, re- relatively speaking, it's it's a more attractive asset class to own through inflationary mm-hmm. environment. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can see how that would be good. So,
0: think about the future in general, to, more general terms for foresight. Yeah, you know, while Foresight as a whole has clearly got an appetite for further acquisitions, is this something now where Foresight would say, right, we've done this acquisition, we need time for this to bed in? Or are you keen to sort of get more more assets or more team people on board?
2: Um, you have to, again, I have to be slightly careful what I say because yes. so we are a listed company. Um, I, I think the timing of any acquisitions is always unpredictable, somewhat unpredictable. I think we we are a growth business, so we are going to continue to to grow, and we've done that both organically. We've launched a number of new regional funds this year, uh, including our first fund in Ireland and uh, two funds in the northwestern Yorkshire, sorry, northeastern Yorkshire, and so we will continue to grow. We we see ourselves as increasingly being amongst the, if not the most active SME funder in the market um, in the UK. And we see a big market opportunity to go at. And so I think uh, as we open new offices later in the year in uh, Leeds and Newcastle and Dublin, we will be you know, continuing on that growth journey alongside working with our new colleagues uh, from Downing. So that's a very woolly way of saying, I don't expect to suddenly put the brakes on. But equally, we know from our portfolio companies and having you know, acres of M&A experience internally that making sure you work with and integrate uh, teams and culture when you, you do a deal like this is really, really important.
0: Excellent. So what I'd like to do now is move on to our favorite questions. And okay. we'll uh, we'll we'll throw these at you and give you each a chance, and and we'll see we'll see how close your thoughts are because it might be interesting to see how, how how aligned you are. So, what's the most recent public announced investment that you made? And when maybe we get one from each of you
2: for this.
1: One, there's a company called Distributed. This is a mm-hmm. rather recent one for us. This essentially is a company that is connecting enterprises with developer teams. So you can imagine, certainly from yeah. You know, uh, market context incredibly um, important um, space at the moment as large enterprises are really struggling to both attract and retain um, tech talent. these are uh, this company is enabling you to work with some of the best developers, bring them in as, as, as a team and a collective and is very much of a developer focused organization. Um, so they, they managed to find and attract that talent globally. And then uh, implement that into into the enterprise. Um, We we did the round with uh, Guinness uh, Ventures also participated in the round. There was a few other investors. This was a uh, Series B round that we we announced it uh, last last month. At a
2: Foresight Group level, the most recent acquisition is our acquisition of is our acquisition of Infrastructure Capital Holdings, which is the Australian. Business, which is three billion of AUM, uh, at, on an SME team investment level, we've 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 announced two exits recently: the exit of TFC, we made twelve point six times, and the exit of Codeplay, which was just under sixteen times money. And on the way in, our latest investment is a business called Rooms and Views, which is in Flintshire and is a glazing business. So that's a, that's a multi pronged answer. Hmm.
0: Yeah, I'm curious about the last one. What makes that a sort of technology? Uh, we don't think of glazing as anything
2: with technology. The, the answer is it's not a, a technology business. Oh, um, right. Okay. It's a recent investment from the broader private equity operation at Foresight. So in the
0: classic VC term of market, product, and management, we know they're all really important, but which one
1: for you is the most important? My time, I think market is what attracts me to a deal, and management is probably why I do the deal. I think management teams continue to get you know, the best management teams continue to outperform over time, and um, that what has led me to that deal is first instance is probably operating in the right market, products that's also right. important, but they're the, <laughs> <they're> the
0: <two. laughs> that's nicely wow. hedged. I agree really <laughs> with Jack. Is my answer <laughs> 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 The team is perfectly aligned on this. Yeah, yeah. I agree with that. That sounds right to me. Yes. So, tell me about the time you failed and what you learned from it.
2: I'll go first. Uh, so, uh, one of the things that we did when I first joined Foresight is we took over the with a portfolio of uh, quite poorly performing assets from another manager, a VCT manager. And uh, I, was, I was tasked with fixing, doing a turnaround on a capital goods business. And I failed to execute and deliver the turnaround. And uh, what did I learn from it? Everything. Um, or a lot. Get management right. Make sure you've got your pricing right. Manage your working capital. Ensure that you're all over the detail, but also the bigger picture. And, um, and also ensure that you have the capital to see through the growth journey. Or the journey that's required from beginning to end. Don't always assume that, that somebody will solve the capital requirement uh, journey. So uh, if capital is your rate limiting factor, then you need a plan that will fit with that rather than uh, the assumption being the other way yeah. around.
0: Sounds like it was a, a challenging time for you.
2: It was, and I was um, reasonably less experienced than I am now. So uh, I learned a lot.
0: Yes, experience of the mistakes we survive, isn't it?
2: Exactly. And, you, you you know, we have a culture here of learning from your mistakes and proactively improvement, We're improving, uh, but certainly not wallowing.
1: Jack, do you want to give us one? Yeah, I do. I, I think one from kind of early um, early portfolio company I worked on with a software company where I think it's kind of pay attention to the small things because they often actually have a much bigger impact. There was a few... Early signs that you know, if you took them in isolation, they may have not seemed that important. Um, but yeah, actually, you know, were somewhat we um, were actually incredibly important to the much broader management of the business. Which actually, at, at that point, I dug in much earlier, and you know, we landed up changing the management team probably about six nine months too late in this instance. But had I kind of seen and noticed some of the smaller items that. We kind of we managed to we, we kind of made some reason around why why that was the case, but dug dug deeper into it. I think that would have created you know a desire to change and things around in that business uh, quicker. So I think that was one of the ones you know kind of look, look into the detail because at the same time it's much bigger and then and then act, and act quickly off the back of that. You know, particularly in our worlds, um, you know, those businesses are operating at, at 100 miles an hour anyhow. But we also, as investors, also have to make sure we're always on the front foot of being proactive and adapting quickly to these pretty dynamic businesses.
0: Yeah, yeah, which can be a challenge given that you have vested, you've made a decision to buy into these things, and you've got sort of a vested interest in, you know, ha- yeah. how how you've bought, how you've invested. Um, so, as listeners know, I'm an avid reader, and getting through. Lots and lots, of, at least a book a week at the moment. So, is there anything out there that you like and would recommend? And
1: we'll start with Jack. Book that one of my favorites is, like, is Good to Great by Jim mm-hmm. Collins. Not sure if you've read that one by or not, but would certainly recommend it. And it's kind of you talks about how, how to build great companies. It actually kind of feels like there's kind of quite a few learnings of the you know, things we're trying to do internally now to make sure you know, we get the right people on the bus to you know before you kind of set up on your next um aspect of growth um so that, that's that's one of, that's one that um i've also recommend to a few entrepreneurs as well as being one of my, one of my favorite ones And well, i've
2: only just started it but it looks pretty interesting and pretty exciting which is a book called money men which is about the wirecard uh scandal. You know, uh, I, I'll, I'll, I'll review it, but before that, I was on Harry Potter and the Philosopher's Stone because my son was reading it, and so I was reading it, which is very good, actually.
0: Yes, yes, <laughs> I, 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 with the films having gone fast, I think we forget there was actually some very good books back, back in the day, so <laughs> exactly, yeah, uh, yes. Exactly. No, I, I'm sure the Wirecard handle will, will be interesting because there's two or three books around about various. Uh, scandals. I recently read one with somebody else in the podcast recommended about the Sacklers and Purdue and Oxycontin. I've I, I
2: read that one. I found it uh, a little bit too depressing for bedtime reading. It's called Dope Sick, isn't it, I think?
0: Um, um, there's probably more than one book. I read another one. I read a different one. And I can't remember the title
2: just now. I just but... finished Dope Sick or I finished it a few weeks ago. Yeah, that's what triggered the need to read Harry Potter. <laughs>
0: you need some lightning up. Okay. What do you wish you knew when you started with Foresight or Inventor Capital that you know now?
2: Um, I, I think I, 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 I was told it, but I didn't know it to the extent that I know it now. And that's the really the importance of someone who's fantastic in the chair of each company and how much difference that can make.
0: Yeah. We haven't really discussed boards properly, but yeah, it, it seems to be something that people have very mixed views on.
1: I've only been at Foresight two weeks. but <laughs> that's like before, a key fitter as a venture capital. I wish I, I, wish I knew, you know, yeah, <laughs> yeah, I wish I'd known that you're on the 23rd floor of the Shard. Yeah, before. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Otherwise, I'd <laughs> have made the acquisition happen a lot quicker, you know. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a splendid view from up there. <laughs>
0: <Yeah>. <laughs> so if anyone wants to find out more about what you're doing at Foresight,
2: uh, where should they go? Go to our website, which is foresightgroup.eu drop a line through the info message or give us a shout. We're we're all up there with some lovely mug shots and you can get in touch with Mm. us. Excellent. I shall post a link in the show notes.
0: So Matt, Jack, thank you very much for coming on today and talking about the acquisition. Thanks very much.
2: Excellent. Thank you very much.
0: So we hope you enjoyed that. If you want to find out more, the show notes will be available at hardmanco.com forward slash podcast. If you like, really like what you heard, you can give us a review with lots of stars on iTunes. You can subscribe to this through iTunes, Spotify, and all good podcast players. If you want to give us feedback or find out more about what we're doing, then you can send us an email at inquiries at harmonico.com. Thanks for listening and hope to hear from you soon.